Never doubt that a small group of people can change the world when indeed it's the only one that ever has. You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. We are here today with my very good friend, Todd Nisloni. Todd is a very well-known entrepreneur, an education coach, a speaker, and an author. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, you're an amazing family man, like I try to be. Two, you're a kick-ass entrepreneur, like myself. And three, you're very passionate about helping others. Before we get into how you do each of these three things at a high level, please introduce yourself to our audience. My name is Todd Nisloni. I have served as an instructional aide who became a teacher, who became a principal, and now I'm the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership at the Texas Elementary Principals and Supervisors Association. I'm also the director of a conference series called Get Your Lead On that falls underneath the Get Your Teach On umbrella. I've got to the pleasure to write six books as well as a children's book. And then I do speaking and consulting along the side. So clearly I'm doing way too much in my life right now. <laughs> you and I met on social media and I've always admired your work. Like me, and like you mentioned, you're all over the place. And I noticed that over the summer months, you began paying more attention to my work. And we chatted some and we became friendly. You even invited me to speak at the Lead On Conference in Atlanta which I appreciate. But from your perspective, how has our relationship evolved and where are we today? It's one of those joys of social media. Yes, social media can be a vacuum if you allow it to be. It can be a negative space where people just go to vent all kinds of things. Or you can be very careful with who you're surrounding yourself and what information you're allowing in. I love to use social media to connect with and learn from others because I believe so much that the bigger our circle is, the better we become in whatever we're doing, whether that's in our field of where we choose to work or that's just in our personal life. I saw some great work you were doing. Jimmy Casas had mentioned you a couple of times. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to start checking him out. And then I was like, oh, this stuff's kind of good. And then I was like, hey, we're always looking to bring on exciting new people with fresh perspectives. Then we just started chatting and it just went from there. I appreciate that. This is the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast. On this podcast, we interview people who are excelling in three major areas of their life so that we can learn from them and experience similar success. With that said, Todd, let's get into family. What's it like for you to be a family man? Oh, the balancing act is always so much fun to try to figure out. My wife and I have been married for a little over 11 years this past April. And anytime I do a, a speaking event, I share our family journey and story and how we always knew we wanted to start a family. But because of fertility issues that we didn't find out till about eight months or eight years into the process, we never had a family for the first eight years besides just us. Thanks to a lot of prayers, some great doctors and a lot of stuff that happened when COVID hit, we were able to have two boys arrive, twins in July of 2021. It has just been a wild journey of that. They're now two years old and they are two-year-old terrors for sure. They are full of energy all the time. 
but it's definitely been a fun learning process for us, but also just an exciting time of life. I'm very big on the universe. I dare to ask, did you guys go through IVF? We were in the process. So we had all these different options to try. We were in the process of going through this and then deciding about this and then deciding about this. And IVF was the next option if our last treatment of the process we were in didn't work. But my wife had already said, if this doesn't work, I don't want to do IVF. I don't want to go through that much physical, because people don't understand all the physical toll and emotional toll that it takes on you. So we were already starting to talk about adoption or foster care or those kind of things if this last treatment didn't work, but it did. My wife and I are currently going through the IVF process. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It takes an emotional toll. We did round one. Unfortunately, it didn't work, but we're trying one more time. I completely understand. Yeah. It's one of those things that when my wife and I began the journey, we, I tell people, we didn't tell anybody, like we didn't tell any of our friends. We didn't tell any of our family because we had let society convince us there was something wrong with us or that we were broken because every time you turn around, people are talking about how easy it is to get pregnant and how that's why you got to use this protection and be safe and do this and that. Now that we share our journey and we talk about our story, it is insane the amount of people who have similar or are on their own journey in the process as well. And it's just been such a comfort to find that community and others, but also so frustrating that we didn't talk about it when we were going through it because I was like, oh my gosh, we could have had like a support system had we actually talked to people. And you can help so many other people. Exactly. <laughs> I love that online you show and you just explained a very beautiful relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. Vienna Farron once said, behind every great relationship are difficult and uncomfortable conversations we rarely get to see. Great relationships just don't fall into our laps. They require people to move through their fears and insecurities and do the hard work to move wounds into healing. With that said, how did you and your wife get into this great relationship? Well, it's not great all the time, like every relationship, but I think we're both committed to making it work. We both know that it's not going to be perfect all the time, but I do know that one of the biggest things that has helped me on my side of the relationship was when I started attending therapy a couple of years ago. I had gone to a great training that just talked about how, why do we take care of our dental health several times a year? Why do we take care of our physical health by going to the doctor, but we don't ever take care of our mental health until there's an issue. And that's why everybody always thinks, oh, is something wrong that you're seeing a therapist? I'm like, no, I just wanted to start seeing someone for the same reason I see a dentist, for the same reason I go see my uh, primary care physician. Like, I just wanted to have that. And when I got started in that process, I was like, oh my gosh. Therapy is amazing. So now I go once a week because it's so good for me. But it's really allowed me to change my perspective on some things, to communicate in new ways. And that has been really transformative in our relationship when I started solely focusing on me. And that's what my therapist has really been talking to me about in some of the sessions is you shouldn't be worrying about that. You shouldn't be looking at that. You shouldn't be trying to think about that. What are you doing? What are you saying? How can you do this? And having that change of perspective and that third-party voice who has no idea what things happen outside of that room has really helped me on my side of things with a relationship. That's a very important thing that is part of emotional intelligence. We look at our own responses, our own reactions, and not so much on others. Todd, tell us about your beautiful kids. 
Liam and Brixton are a little over two years old. Like I said earlier, they are twins, but they do not look alike. They do nothing the same. They are, there is nothing in common besides their parents. Um, they are two completely different kids that we have, are having to learn how to parent completely differently than each other in the process as well. But they have such big personalities. They are full of energy. And they love a lot of the things that I love. So I love getting to introduce them to Power Rangers or Mickey Mouse or, or different things like that. It's just been exciting to have like little kids that I'm like, oh my gosh, you're mine and you love my stuff too. Luckily for them, Todd is a big kid at heart, as we can see. But Todd, what would you tell a parent who is struggling to connect with his or her child? I think the biggest thing for me is just that time and personal attention. I try to be really cognizant of what I'm doing when my kids are around or when they can see me so that they see that they are my primary focus. And I'm not afraid to get on the floor and interact with them or to mm. have conversations with them and to really talk through things. Even though they're only two years old, I explain everything like I would be explaining it to someone else because I want them to hear the language and hear the emotion and the tone in my voice. And coming from a broken home, I think that that was something that was really important to me when I had kids was I really wanted them to see that when I'm here, I'm here. You're not going to get me as, oh, I'm home from work. So I'm going to go work in the garage for two hours and I'll come back. That works for some people. But for me, because of my upbringing, I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to come home and I want to be present with my family. And if I don't have the capacity to do that, then that's not my family's fault. That's my work or something I'm doing that's not protecting me to have that because I can't be giving them the scraps. I've got to make sure they get the same goodness people at work get. Just making sure that I'm really cognizant of that when they're in the room, they're my focus. That is so commendable on your part. I too come from a difficult childhood and it really makes you appreciate being a family man so much more. Yep. Folks out there listening, a family man is a man that is married and is living with his wife and his kids. I strategically chose those words because Todd is a shining example of what a family man should be. And the major takeaways here are this, therapy. Yes, get some therapy if needed, the same way we do an oil change, the same way we go to the supermarket and we get our daily food, we should also seek a therapist. Number two, Get on the floor with your kids. Don't give them the scraps. Make sure that you're spending time with them and that you're present. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. Are technology issues slowing you down at your school? If that's the case, look no further than Five Star Technologies Virtual Help Desk. Their team of experts are available to support you remotely, resolving up to 40% of common issues like password resets, device connectivity, and lots more. With just a few clicks, you'll have access to their live chat from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Just enter your email to get started. Then you'll live chat with one of five stars at tech experts to diagnose your problem. And if their virtual help desk agent can't solve the issue completely, they will dispatch the ticket to your school's on-site tech team. Let Five Star Technology Solutions be your support partner. Experience their virtual help desk, which is affordable, efficient, and always there for you. Please contact them at fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. Once again, fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. And for your convenience, you'll find this link in the episode show notes.
If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on Spotify or iTunes, please hit the subscribe button, please hit the like button, and share this with your family and friends. Now let's transition into entrepreneurship like you, like me. It's one of the most important things in my life. Todd, what made you start a business? Coaching educators. <laughs> this is such a funny question because I had zero interest in this at all. I know some people are like, oh, I've dreamed about this since I was a kid or I've done. I was like, I am, I was a teacher and I loved being a teacher. Like I didn't want to do anything else. And and I guess I'm, I'm still teaching now, but I, I loved being in a classroom of kids. And I will never forget my assistant superintendent at the time came to me and said, hey, you need to be on this thing called Twitter. You need to be sharing out your ideas. You need to be connecting with others. And I was like, I don't want to be on a social media platform. I've already got Facebook. I don't need anything else. Because this was back in the day when even Instagram didn't exist. He was like, I'm your assistant superintendent. You don't have a choice. I want you to get on. I want you to share the things that are happening here in our district. I started getting on. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. I can find other people who are doing awesome stuff too. Then I had my best friend on campus was the computer teacher. And she was like, hey, there's this great technology conference in Texas, one of the biggest in the country. She's like, let's go and present. Let's go share some of the stuff you're doing in the classroom and I'm doing in the lab. And I was like, okay. And we did it and loved it. And we got really good feedback. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm, this isn't as terrifying as I thought it would be to speak in front of adults. And then that just began a snowball effect of people seeking me out to come share with them or asking me questions and me learning through a long process of getting over myself because I, I deal with a lot of insecurity. I deal with a lot of comparison and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's still something I work through today. Like, that's not something I've actually been able to completely work through. I'm still working on it today. Um, <laughs> but I think that it was just that. And then what that taught me as I went through that process. And one thing I tell people all the time now is that your passions can change. And that is great. And that doesn't mean I don't love teaching in the classroom anymore. Not at all. I still love that. But I also love this that I'm doing now. And I am not someone who makes a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. That's not my personality. I live in the moment. And I'm very much of a, if I love what I'm doing right now, I'm going to keep doing it. When I'm getting to that point where... I'm not loving it as much or I'm not feeling challenged or inspired, then that's when I know it's time to shift. It's time to try something else, to do something, find a new thing that makes me excited again. And sometimes those things naturally fall in your lap and you take advantage of them. And sometimes you got to go seek them out. And when people often like, oh, do you miss the classroom? I'm like, yeah, I miss the classroom every day, but I love what I'm doing now. So it helps cover any of that missing or, or sadness about not being there anymore. Aspiring entrepreneurs, edupreneurs, watch this video. If you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, make sure you watch the video. There's three key takeaways here. Todd has a natural charisma that appears natural, but I'm pretty sure that he worked on. <laughs> he doesn't use any filler words, no ums, no ahs, no rights. He had to work on that. Great speakers have that ability of not using filler words. And number three, lots of confidence. Notice how he looks straight into the camera. And he mentioned getting out of his own way, not comparing. What he left out is the years that it took for him to hone his craft, 
and become the speaker he is. A lot of people approach me every single day and they get to my next question, which is, George, how did you get so much work? But what they don't see was the 10, 15 years and the hours now that go into developing my craft as a speaker, as a coach, understanding the needs of others, the pain points of others. So Todd, with all that said, how did you get as busy as you are right now? You're all over the place. It's so funny some of the things you just said because I'm like, yep, because I interact with a lot of people who have been speaking for a year or two, who have been speaking for 10 or 15 years, or who are just wanting to get started. Maybe this is something for me. And I feel like social media has given so many people a false representation of what this work is like. Because they're like, oh my gosh, this is so great. You get to travel all the time. You're going here and there. You must love it. And I'm like, first of all, traveling all the time sucks. It is not fun to be going from plane to plane, especially in the world we live in now where it's like everything is canceled and delayed. Second of all, I love my family. So I really make sure I prioritize them. So I always take the last flight out. So I'm always getting into places at one or two o'clock in the morning. And I leave as soon as the event is over. So I literally go nowhere except the airport, to the hotel, to the event, back to the airport. So I'm not getting to sightsee or do all these beautiful things. Now, maybe a single person who is traveling and presenting, they go and do all that. Great. As a married family guy, I'm like, I want to be back with my family. And I want my wife to see that my family is being prioritized even while I go and do the work. Second of all, the work that goes into things like speaking when it is the presentation development, the creation of the slides, the promotional social media, the website, the writing, the interviews, the all the stuff that goes into it is a lot. And one of the biggest things I learned when I was getting started was that I cannot do it all myself and nor should I. And it was a very tough pill for me to swallow because when I first started getting booked for stuff, though I was making pennies on the dollar, I was like, I'm making some extra money. This is exciting. And then Can I, I stop was- you right there, Todd? Yeah. Can I stop you right there? And this is for the aspiring entrepreneurs. Hear what he said. Making pennies in the beginning. A lot of people I speak to, they want to skip steps and they want to jump straight into big contracts. It takes years of establishing a brand, a persona, your confidence before people pay you for your work. You made something really good there. I want to bring something up. There's two things with that. First of all, you're exactly right. For the first year or two that I even started this speaking thing, I was either taking them free or just enough where I made like a couple hundred bucks after paying for my gas in my hotel. Me too. Me too. Yeah, because me too. I'm the kind of person too where I don't want to ask somebody to pay for me if I don't feel like I'm at the top of my game yet. I don't want right. to feel like I took your money, but I sucked because I was just getting started and I wasn't that great. I try so hard to be who I represent myself to be on social media. And I say mm. that because I've met countless speakers who I have idolized or really respected their message. And I meet them in person and realize that that's a crafted personality to meet a need for a company or school. It's not Mm. a genuine personality when you meet them in real life. And I never want, and I know this is part of my personality. I'm like, I don't want people to judge me. I don't want people to think less of me, like all that comparison stuff. So I always try to make sure that exactly who I am online is who I am in real life. It's not a separate persona. The person 
speaking to you is speaking from a place of stories and personal life because I want people to connect with me for me, not because of, oh, I have this flashy slide with a great saying on it and they all love that. So they all remembered me. It's like, no, I want them to know that who Todd was on the stage and who he was when we met him and who he was when we messaged him on social media, they're all the same Todd. It's You're not getting different versions of me. Dr. Maya Angelou once said, you have to live your teaching. You can't just say to people, do as I say, not as I do. Mm -hmm. No, you have to live your teaching. And that's what I love about you. You are very genuine. You definitely show your family on your social media. Mm -hmm. And you have a big Instagram following, big LinkedIn following. At first, I was surprised. This guy's posting the twins on LinkedIn. But you know what, though? When I see you interacting with all the teachers on Instagram and I'm seeing all of your stories, now I can see why they all relate to you. I went four or five years of not showing anything personal about me. Now I make sure I include the rap music. I make sure I include my children. I include my family because people need to see that we're real and get a little glimpse into who we are. Todd, what are three things that you would tell an aspiring entrepreneur not to do? The first one is not to just jump into a speaking thing because somebody hired, because someone saw you right away. I would say definitely find your local conferences, your state conferences, where you're not getting paid anything and you're there with hundreds of other speakers and go and do the sessions and then go watch other people. That's one thing. The second thing I would say not to do is don't look thirsty. That's something that I've seen a lot lately of people looking real desperate to get out there. And my biggest thing is when you are genuine and you are you, those things will come your way when you're working hard and doing all that. And the third thing I would say not to do is don't get discouraged. It doesn't happen fast. So just take your time and, and just grow it at your speed where it's you're growing. That's amazing advice for me. I try to attract the things that I want but without saying it. And it's a tricky thing, but it requires lots of confidence. It requires lots of self-efficacy, a conviction in your abilities and what you have to offer the world. I think what it also does though, is it also makes sure that I surround myself with people who will keep me humble. I often mm. tell people now, you should, your whole circle should not be a circle of cheerleaders because that's not what you need to become your best self. You need the encouragers, you need the cheerleaders, but you also need the people who will tell you no. You need the people who will tell you this isn't the right time. You're not supposed to be doing that. That was That's not going to work for you. I need those people to tell me too when I'm acting like a jerk, when I'm getting a big head. Keep me humble so that I can be my best. Now let's transition into your passion for helping others. Todd, what sparked your passion for helping people? Please share a personal story that really made you realize that this is what you care about. I think I've always wanted to be someone who wanted to pour into other people. For me, when I first got a job, I, or I was first looking at a career. I thought I want to do like social work. Like I love helping others. I want to do that. And then I learned very quickly that I cannot do that kind of work because I can't separate myself out from that kind of stuff. I was like, this is too emotional for me. I can't separate the emotional from this. So that's when I was like, teaching is working with people too. 
And I never thought I'd be able to work with adults because I thought kids are my jam. Like adults are scary. But like I tell people now, adults are just big kids. Taking that perspective of just, for me, it's just knowing that each one of us could change somebody else's life. And that's a really Mm. powerful thing to think about. And when I speak, I never, my goal is never to affect everybody in the room. Because when I get in that mindset, when I feel like the message didn't hit, or I saw two or three faces who were checked out or annoyed about something I was saying, it made me feel like I wasn't doing a good job. Even if somebody would come up afterwards and say it was what they needed. I've really had to change my perspective when speaking and going, as long as one person got what they needed today, it was worth every second. Because in the reality, that's all it takes to change a life is one person, one thing. So I think that's for me. That's why it's so important is I just, I love when I speak and afterwards somebody can come up and, and I'm, I'm, I mostly speak to educators right now. They either are hearing educational practice ideas or they're hearing some of my personal story and how that applies mm-hmm. to them as a person. And one of the biggest things to me is after every presentation, at least one person will come up and say, I really appreciate you sharing your journey to becoming a parent or sharing your journey about losing your mom or something like this, because they're mm-hmm. like, finally, I feel like I can talk about this to somebody else, or I don't feel as alone, or I feel like my emotions in this moment were okay to feel. And in that moment, I'm like, that's one of the most empowering things to me. And it keeps me going even when I'm totally exhausted and, and don't even know what else to do is that there's always someone who needs to hear your message And that's not ego or self-obsession to think that you matter that much that somebody deserves to hear you. No, the reality is every one of us has a purpose and every one of us has the ability to impact those around us. Oftentimes we just let our own insecurities get in the way. That is so good. I completely relate. Early on in my speaking career, I would try to win everyone over and I would want every single person in the crowd to love it. Now, I no longer feel that way. I already understand that not everyone is in the same place. Not everyone is open to receiving new information. And sometimes they're not open to receiving it from me. What I really love is at the end of the workshop, of the keynote, one or two people walking up and saying, I really needed to hear that. That means a lot to me. Todd, for those who might be wondering how they too can make a difference, What's one simple piece of advice you'd give them to start them on the path of helping others? Share. That's the biggest thing. We so often think that, oh, well, this is what everybody's doing or, oh, that's not that big of a deal. I'm like, no, share. That is exactly how I got started was just sharing the stuff we were doing in my classroom or at my school on social media. Then I started blogging about it and I never saw myself as a writer, which is why it's hilarious that I have six books now because I'm like, yet again, I let thoughts get into my head when I was younger that just transferred with me that I'm not a writer. I can't do that. And I was like, wait a minute, I do love writing. And that came from me starting to blog and I wasn't blogging for anybody else. When I began, I was solely blogging for me and to put my own things down in writing so I could refer back to them years down the road. That was such a big thing to me was being able to do that. So I think that's where I would say start is to share and write as much as you can. We are winding down with Todd. Now I want to get into a quick fire question round for educators. You ready, Todd? I'm ready. What are your top three ed tech tools? Okay, so there's a lot of technology tools that I love. 
But one of the biggest ones that I love is just social media. I know I've said it many times, but I, and, and I'm not talking about a certain platform. Like, I think you find where you are, you find where your people are, and that's where you go and explore. And sometimes, especially if you're a speaker, you need to be in multiple places, even if it takes extra work. Another EdTech tool that I'm obsessed with is one right now is called Kid Power. I know a lot of people have heard of Go Noodle, which is all about brain breaks, getting kids up and moving. But I use Kid Power, even with my own children, because Kid Power is like Go Noodle, but it's completely free. And every single time you watch a video, you're giving back to kids in other countries because UNICEF donates meals to other kids. Mm. So every time my kids get up and active or the students that I'm working with do, that sends another meal to someone else. And it also allows us to collect coins so that then we can donate those coins to local charities in our neck of the woods too. So it's the world give back plus a local give back. So obsessed with kid power. So definitely recommend that. And then I think my other social media tool that I really like as an educator is Voxer. V-O-X-E-R, V as in violin. And that's just a walkie-talkie type app that allows me to communicate with others via my voice. But I never have to give out my cell phone number and I don't have to worry about any of that kind of stuff. It was great when I worked on a campus to communicate with my team, but it's great now when I meet people online and they're like, hey, can you help me with this? Can you provide some more information here? And I'm like, I don't have time to write a six page email. Do you have Voxer? I can do that with you while I'm in the car. I, it's just like making a phone call and I can just send you a Voxer message. We don't even have to connect times. I'll send it to you. You listen to it when you can. So those are my three. What is your favorite education book other than yours? Oh Lord, this is such a hard question. I think of books that really affected me. Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess was so transformative in my career personally and professionally. Anything by Jimmy Casas. I'm obsessed with Jimmy. Jimmy is the reason I became a principal. Jimmy helped me on social media and Jimmy's now my publisher as well. So there's also that, but I love, love him and his message. And he is totally who he is online and offline. And then I think the other book that I really think about that really impacted my career would be The Book Whisperer by Donna Lynn Miller, which really just transformed the way I view literacy and how it can be taught in the classroom. And even though I was a math teacher while in the classroom, it made me want to go back and be a reading teacher right away and was a lot of the inspiration behind my book, Sparks in the Dark. What is your favorite education conference and why? I have to say... TEPSA's summer conference, obviously, because that's who I work for now. But even if I didn't work for them, that was always one of my top two conferences ever. It's 2,000 leaders from across the state of Texas and some, some across the nation. And it's just, it's such a powerful, exciting time to be around others. The other conference that, of course, is my favorite is the Get Your Teach On and Get Your Lead On conference. And I love that because it is different than anything else people have been to. It is not only all about the content and the sessions, but it's also about the person and me creating this exciting, uplifting space where you're encouraged as an individual and grown as an educator or leader. For me, those are my two favorites. So they both happen, both happen in the summer, but Get Your Teach On also does a couple regional events during the school year. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in education and how has it influenced your teaching? I'm going to mention his name again, but it's advice Jimmy Casas gave me when I was starting to get some notoriety through some of the work that I was doing. And he said, Todd, I want you to remember this. He said, make sure that as you grow and your influence grows, 
that you always amplify the voices of others louder than you amplify your own. Mm. And that has stuck with me so deeply that it's why I think I'm so passionate about every time I'm given opportunities, who else can I bring along into that opportunity and let them have a taste of something or let them get their foot in the door. I love connecting people across all walks of life for new experiences and new opportunities. And it's also the reason I wrote my book stories from web because after the success of kids deserve it, I thought I was done. I didn't know what else I was supposed to do. And I was sitting in a staff meeting with some of my team and I was like, Oh my God, these people are brilliant, but they're not on social media. People don't know who they are. We're in a tiny little town in Texas. And I was like, wait, Jimmy said, if I'm given a platform, amplify others louder than my own. I was like, I can write another book, but they all put stories in it of all the great things they're doing. And I'm just like the narrator throughout. That's where the idea of stories from web was that any educator across the country could pick this book up and see themselves somewhere in the book and not have to feel like, oh, this person has six degrees. That's why they're writing it. Or they're a doctor or they have all this. It's like, no, these are real life people sharing real life stories. That advice would be, is the advice I still give to others is this is not a work that is about making you more famous or getting in front because that's not long lasting. The real impact comes when you're able to give other people some of the spotlight and give other people opportunities they might not have had if you hadn't used some of your influence to bring that their way. Todd, what are three things people should do every day? I believe at some point during every day, you should just chill and disconnect and put on Netflix. That is my ultimate way of decompressing. And people are like, wait, you have time to sit down and watch TV? I'm like, yeah, because that's when I check out. I'll put something on that I don't have to pay super close attention to. And I love just doing that. I also love going for a walk or doing some kind of movement every day. I think it's a great thing to get the blood pumping and make sure, even when I go to the airport, when I go to a flight, I do not go sit down at my gate. I go and walk the airport the entire time until about 15 minutes before boarding because I want to get up and move. I want the blood flowing. And the third thing I should say that you should do every day is you should reach out to somebody in your life every single day and send them a note of encouragement. I I say this because research says that when you show gratitude to somebody else, it actually increases your mood more than the person you're showing gratitude to. So this is a selfish thing that I'm telling you to do. But when you lift somebody up, you end up feeling better in the process. Every day, I at least find one time during the day to text someone, call someone, send them an email, just let them know I was thinking of them and I'm really thankful for them. Todd, in the beginning of our conversation, I picked three things that I love and respect about you. And just to recap, you're an amazing family man, you're a kick-ass entrepreneur, and you're extremely passionate about helping other people. What is something that we left out about you that you would like to share with the audience? Oh, I think one of the biggest things, and I talk about this when I present, is what a lot of people don't know about me when all they do is see me present or things like that, is I'm actually an extreme introvert. And it takes a Mm. lot of work for me to be who I need to be on the stage. But I share that with people because I always tell them, hopefully you wouldn't have guessed that through my speaking or through my interacting with you off the stage, whatever, because I believe, especially as educators, we're like used car salesmen and nobody wants to buy a broken down, boring, insecure car. Like they want to buy something exciting and fun and full of life and energy. Even though I am extremely introverted, I'm able to turn on these moments of energy and things like that and then go and protect myself and my introvertness 
outside of that space. But I feel like what a lot of people don't know is the amount of work <laughs> that it takes. Um, I often tell people like, that's why when I talk to groups, I'm like, my introverts in the room, we make way more excuses because we love to say like, that's not my personality or I'm just like this. I'm like, no, no, no. You can be whoever you want to be in that moment. And that just means that you may be more tired at the end of the day, or you may have to find ways to disconnect, or you don't go out and do exciting things in the evening because you're so wiped out from peopling all day long. But yeah, a lot of people don't know that about me. And I love getting to share that because they're always like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's why when you see me in a big room and I'm not speaking, I'm usually in the back corner hiding or sitting by myself because I'm just like, this is so overwhelming. And that's my little extra fun fact. This is a part of the show where I give you your flowers. I don't believe in sharing how I feel about someone when they're no longer here. Todd, you're doing amazing work, man. I believe that your work has been accepted by the universe, by God, whoever you want to call it. And the reason why I say that is because you're out there. Success isn't an accident. You are there because you put in the work, you have a beautiful message, you're an expert, you're a scholar, and I'm honored to be your friend. Hey man, that, that means a ton, thank you. How can people connect with you? The easiest spot is my website, just toddnesloney.com, or you can just Google Todd Nesloney, spell it however you want, it comes up. But I'm on all the social media platforms, whatever you're most comfortable with, I make work. Thanks for being on the show. And that's it for this episode. Until next time, this is the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast with George Valenzuela.